We're off on a hunt. We're getting calm with horses. And we're going to get bloodshot with my spy. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Johnny Hearn. And this is Off Screen, your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome to Off Screen. Let's get cinematic. And we've got to start this week, Mr. Hearn, with the sad news that uh, the coronavirus has taken out Forrest Gump. He's taken, taken our favourite. Tom Hanks, everyone's favourite Tom Hanks, oh. has been struck down yeah, by the horrid killer disease. He and, he and uh, Ruth Wilson are... Uh, Ruth Wilson? Rita, Rita Wilson. <laughs> Ruth Wilson's that, afraid now, of that, that would be a story. That, that would be, Tom that would Hanks be and Ruth Wilson had... Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, that would be a story. Uh, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson are uh, self-isolating after having yes. tested positive. That's come out this morning. That's very sad. And, well, it's, it's delayed the uh, the new film, that Baz Luhrmann's uh, biopic of Elvis Presley. He's has playing, it? He's playing Tom, Colonel Tom Parker, and they were due to start filming oh, on Monday the 16th, and now they've had to push it back because somebody... In the crew got the virus and gave it to Tom Hanks, apparently, or, or something is this, like that. Yeah, because he was in Australia, wasn't he, Tom yeah, Hanks? Is that yeah. why he was there? He was playing... Yeah, he was oh. out there, and, and his wife, Rita, was uh, Rita. Was, was performing. She's a she's an opera singer. She was um, she was singing, and, um, yeah, they, they just suddenly sort of fell ill, and yeah. uh, so they obviously got it over there. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, let's talk then about our first film, but let's talk about Calm yeah. With Horses. Did you have the pleasure of seeing Calm With Horses? I have not week? seen Calm With Horses, but I do like to be Calm With Horses. Yeah. I'm assuming this is a nice, gentle story about horse riding. Uh, no, no, quite the opposite, in fact. So, uh, this is, uh, <laughs> I'm aware this is an Irish mob, an Irish criminal drama from uh, Nick Rowland. It stars, do you remember, do you remember uh, Lady Macbeth a few years ago with uh, Florence Pugh? Yes. Do you remember the yeah, love interest in that, Cosmo Jarvis? Yes. Well, see, she went on to, you know, massive, massive things. Oscar nomination. Yeah, and he has, saw, and, and more importantly, a Marvel movie. But she's, uh, he's sort of faded into relative obscurity in the mm. four years since. He's back. And he's twice yeah. the size of the man he was. He's a he's a hulking man now. Oh, okay. And uh, here he plays uh, he plays Doug. I think he's, it goes by the nickname Arm. His name's like Doug Armstrong, and they call him Arm. And he's a former boxer turned uh, sort of you know, low level enforcer for a sort of drug dealing uh, Irish street level criminal family. Best represented by is it Barry Keoghan or Keoghan or. I think I've heard of Kean somewhere. Kean, yeah. Kean from yeah. Uh, you know from 1917 yeah. and, and killing the sacred deer. And the idea is that uh, uh, Arm mm. is uh, struggling when he is asked to kill a man in the name of the the, the crime family mm. uh, to kill a man who has sexually assaulted uh, a young woman close sort of part, who's part of the family. He struggles with that. He asks the man to run away, like you know, spare me having to kill you. Uh, but at the same time, he wants to get out of this life. He has a young autistic son. He has mm. an ex partner that he's you know, he feels quite affectionate for. And he wants to sort of take them away and give them the life that he feels, you know, they deserve. Look, let me tell you, Jack, tomorrow. I take him home there. Just him and me. No different, no difference, no. No nonsense, right? I don't know. I don't think you could cope. It's not that simple. Well, let me show you. Jack loves it here. Don't you? He still loves it here. Let me show you what I can... I can take care of him. Try and nurse. So Cosmo Jarvis, he's you know he's still got the chops. I didn't know. Is he Irish? I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, I, I never got that impression from uh, Lady Macbeth. I've but... no idea. No, not a clue. Not. Does it matter? Not at all. But I will say this is properly awesome. Is it? This is a really because good it's, movie. It's quite. It's a story that's been mm. done before. The idea yes. of the sort of you know the the, the mob heavy 
repenting and, and wanting a different life. I mean, you know, there was the Viggo Mortensen film a couple of years ago. Um, um, yeah, uh, was that Eastern Promises? Was that one? Uh, or, or? No, there was there, there was that one, and there was another one that uh, did History as well. of Violence. Yeah, no, the Cronenberg one, something like that. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah, you know, I mean, it's been done this kind of idea. So, so I wonder, yeah, how mm. does it rank up against? Others, I mean, what's different about it? Uh, to be honest with you, a lot, it's the setting that sets this apart, I think. Setting it in uh, in Ireland the way it's set and utilising the rural environments as well as the more you know downtrodden, you know, urbanite ones, I think that's a really good balance. Uh, the cast as well set this apart, particularly Ned Dennehy, who I think is playing something... He's playing one of those roles that, uh, that, uh, that usually goes to your sort of Brian Cox type, but it's just something more grimy and dirty about it. Barry Keehan, you know, a winner as always, but, you know, these cars... Cosmo Drivers a show. I remember when Lady Macbeth came out saying, like, pay attention to this cast, they're going to be big. Mm. I was half right. Um, it would be nice if I could be fully right and Cosmo Jarvis could uh, get his time in the sun as well. Uh, gripping, uh, very, very violent, but very soulful, very nuanced at times as well. And I it's think, a uh, feature debut, director debut? I, I believe so. I think, I think to be honest, I think Nick Rowland comes from a background of, uh, of short films. I'm going to look that up now and be proven entirely wrong. Uh, no, he's from shorts and a couple of episodes of TV shows like mm. Ripper Street and Cuffs. Uh, but I think as far as uh, feature debuts go, a really solid one. It's got gristle, it's got heart, it's got spirit. The performance, as I say, from Cosmo Jarvis is the thing that sets it apart for me, but also Barry Keane as well, who I hadn't seen in the film for a little while. And I, I very much enjoy his weird, <laughs> unusual, quirky presence, even though he is playing something a bit more conventional here. Um, I say I, I would give it it's a two thumbs up from me, absolutely. Um, another film that I'm going to give two thumbs up to and one we've got to talk about very briefly because we haven't yeah. got time to fit everything in this week. And I know you've seen this as well. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, like two minutes to talk about this. Uh, Misbehaviour, the story of uh, the 1970 Miss yes. World pageant in London, which was the first time there was a black winner yes. of the, the Miss World pageant, I believe, yeah. who is played here by uh, Google and Martha Raw. Uh, it's mostly about the the the, the uh, female activists who besieged. Well, it was the, yeah, the, yeah. The creation is around about the time uh, that the um, women's liberation movement started. Yeah. And uh, and so Keira Knightley plays this uh, typical Keira Knightley plays this very bookish <laughs> kind of character. Sally Armstrong, I want Sally to say. Armstrong, yeah. yeah. And uh, and she ends up uh, she goes as a mature student, and she ends up getting involved with this group of activists, um, led in part by the brilliant Jessie Buckley. How Irish good actress. is how good oh, is Jessie Buckley? Oh, she's good in everything she's amazing she, it doesn't matter what she does yeah. she, she's brilliant in everything um and she's she's consistently the best thing in every everything mm. i see and uh, yeah so she plays this very spiky young activist and they get together and, and you know with a, a bigger group decide to target the <laughs> 1970 miss world contest yeah. which is run by uh a character oh, called Reece eric, Evans, eric morley played yeah. genius genius performance brilliant by brilliant so yeah. funny yeah. As this very misogynistic, <laughs> sexist, clearly He's sort of nineteen so seventies type about character, it, isn't yeah, nineteen seventies character. He's talking about how you know if their, if their figures are not thirty six, twenty four, thirty six, or whatever, then yeah. there's no point, and all this sort of that. But it's just, it, it, it's he's brilliant, mm. and he's, but it, it shows. Really, I mean, some of the humour—it's very funny. Some of the humour is very um, it's a bit cringy, yeah, because yes. it makes you think, "Oh, mm. should I be laughing at this?" And then you think, "Well, yes," because this is the way people were 50 years ago, and so we're laughing at how we used to be as a society. Mm. And we can say, "Well, look, we've moved on now, so we can laugh at them. We're not sort of, you know, laughing with them." And you know, and and it's—I you know, think it's—it's—it's 
it's got a lot of layers as well. Yeah. You know, the way that they connect the sexism storyline with the racism story, I think it's very, very clever. Yeah. How many thumbs up, thumbs down from you? I give it a one and a half thumbs up. One and a half. I'm going to give it a solid two because I absolutely loved it. I think they should show this in schools. Uh, it's, it's that kind of film. I think you should show this to 12-year-olds of both genders and yeah. basically say, here is a document of how the world was 50 years ago. If you think any of these things, maybe change your worldview. Um, speaking of changing worldview, let's talk about the new film from Blumhouse, which has arrived after much, much controversy, led in no small measure by Donald Trump, of all people. It is The Hunt, starring the likes of Betty Gilpin, Ike Barinholtz, uh, Oliver Queen from Smallville, Emma Roberts, <laughs> Hilary Swank, Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes. And the idea, it's... it's latest adaptation of The Most Dangerous Game, isn't yeah. it? But, uh, you know, humans being hunted for sport. But here there's something of an inversion where the people being hunted are effectively the right-wing Republican types, and the mm. people hunting them, the rich elites, are the Democrats. Ah. There has to be a reason they chose us. I'm not going down with that fight. War is war. You have no idea what you're up against. This time... They picked the wrong woman. Game of survival. I'm gonna rip you to pieces. We'll see. So it's the most direct-to-DVD yeah. feeling of all the Blumhouse efforts to date. You know, they've done things like The Purge and obviously Get Out as well. You know, so they've run sort of the spectrum. And uh, this feels very, very DTV, as we used to say. Uh, but having said that, trashy good fun. The subversion of playing it that way around politically mm. is mined for both satire and just outright straight comedy. Mm. There's a lot of gentle gentle ribbing about how these, these characters will effectively think nothing of shooting uh, a reporter Republican in the face, but then feel really bad about having accidentally used a racial slur while doing it. And like that kind of humor <laughs> is absolutely fantastic in there. Like, and he makes a, a quip about, oh, climate change not being, how can you say that? No, climate change is not being, oh, don't say that. You know, I love that kind of humor. It really goes for it. Uh, I can see why someone like Donald Trump would take issue with the movie because <laughs> effectively, although weirdly, his lot are the good guys in this. So. Yeah. It, it's, it reminds me of a there was a Monty Python sketch mm. um, where the uh, you know the, the gentry go out shooting and they go hunting for yeah. for peasants. Uh, so it reminds me of that. And I'm I'm glad that uh, Glenn Howarth is in it. Uh, Dennis from It's Always Sunny. Yeah, that was his name thank because you. he deserves to be in a lot more. It's, it's my favourite TV comedy. Yeah. And uh, you know it's the kind of character that he plays in that as a sort of you know very brutal right wing sort of uh, Republican. Um, yeah, I, I think this looks. I mean, it looks brutal. It looks vicious. Mm. I, I think it looked quite fun as well. I'm going to give it a go. I think you should. I think you would very much enjoy it. Uh, to be honest, for me, because of how just kind of ropey and you know straight to video it does feel at times, it's it's only a one thumb. But it's a, it's a it's gets the other an one's been cut off. Gets an, yeah. Gets, yeah. It gets an extra half though for uh, for for just you know kind of how grisly and, and gleeful and, and amusing it is. Well, I give it one thumb up for having Glenn Howard in it, even <laughs> though I've not seen it. So. That's absolutely fair. And we're back, and well, we're going to keep it theatrical, and uh, I think we'll we'll get a little bloodshot, Mister. Are you are you a Diesel fan? Are you a Vin Diesel fan? Bloodshot eyes? Are you talking about? Well, his, his eyes do get bloodshot at one point. It never comes up. It never comes up in the film that, that, that there's a reason for him having bloodshot eyes. It just gets dropped in as a visual thing later on. But this is based on the Valiant comic from the '90s. It's about a character, you know, Navy SEAL, Special Forces, Delta Force type guy named uh, I think his name's Ray Garrison, and he's. Uh, he goes on a mission, he takes out the big bad, and he goes on vacation with his gorgeous wife, and, you know, in, on the Italian coast, and while they're there, they are besieged by, you know, SWAT teams working for the, some other unnamed villain who 
basically kill the wife and then kill him because he won't give them information. He, he wakes up having been, you know, brought back to life. He's cy cybernetically augmented. His body is filled with nanotech that makes him inv invincible and, like, super strength and super speed and all that stuff. And uh, he's, he's, he's got complete amnesia. He starts to get his memory back in, in drips and draps. And as he does, he sets out for revenge on the guy who, you know, did all this to them. However, there may not be such a straightforward explanation for everything that's happening to him. You know, if I was dead yesterday, I wouldn't be able to sleep either. Nah, I had a nightmare. Which doesn't make any sense, because how can you have a nightmare if you have no memories? Trust me. Soon you'll remember enough to wish you could forget it again. I'm sure there's someone out there in the world who cares about you a great deal, you just don't know it yet. So that's Vin there dealing with how do you have nightmares when you have no memories? Which might be as close as this movie comes to having a soul. It's, I would say. It sounds like I would have nightmares watching this. this, this, this you this, would. This, this doesn't. This doesn't in any way interest me. Um, you know. It's... Did you see Upgrade when it came out? I, I quite liked Upgrade. Right. Yeah. Imagine Upgrade meets like Edge of Tomorrow or Gamer. Uh, but it's nowhere near it because Upgrade idea. was fantastic. That's, it, was a, it was a great idea. Yeah, yeah but uh, I say this is no Upgrade. It's a, I just have to look up the director. It's, it's Dave Wilson. This is his feature debut. And he's a visual effects is he artist. Is related to Ruth Wilson and Rita Wilson? <laughs> sadly not. his wife and lover. So, yeah, sadly, and, and, and potential brother-in-law at least. But uh, no, he's a visual effects designer who's designed like, you know, Avengers Age of Ultron. He's also worked on video games, particularly the Star Wars video games Well, that well. would explain the look of it. Yes, and it does very much look like that kind of film. I mean, so this to me, this sounds like the sort of thing that would be a video better as a video game than a film. Uh, you would not be far off, to be fair. I, I think I said to you earlier, if we saw this on DVD in 2002, you would probably quite enjoy it. If you're watching it on a cinema screen in 2020, it feels derivative. It feels a bit old hat. Vin Diesel just plays it like a complete lunk, uh, which you know is, which to is be fair, of, that's yeah. kind of his thing, isn't it? Uh, Guy Pierce is doing you know stock villain 4B. He's playing that play, and uh, the only real heart and soul in any of this comes from Lamorne Morris from that TV show New Girl, who plays Winston in New Girl, who gets this kind of oh, Cockney Jack the Lad type, you know, and I'm like okay, oh, that's that, that's a way to play this, and he does steal the show, mm. uh, he does, there's some half-decent action beats in there, it does feel a lot like they're setting up for a franchise that they're never ever gonna get, mm. but then again, is that not every, you know kind of semi-blockbuster in the 2010s. Yeah, everything wants to wants to set up a franchise now, don't they? Exactly. You know, he was in a failed franchise to start with, with Triple uh, X. You know, that, uh, that is he failed, a... though? Because they are making a fourth one now. Uh, I know, but... But okay, so let me talk really quickly. I'd say uh, uh, one thumb just for being schlockily enjoyable from me, but you know, I, I, I couldn't in any good sense give it any more than that. I want to talk really quickly, though, about uh, Levin Atkins' new film, uh, And Then We Danced, uh, which is... Um, about, I think they're a Ukrainian uh, dance company, mm. modern dance. It's about two male dancers who, uh, uh, newcomer and, and sort of a, a pro up and coming protege type, a prodigy type, uh, who encounter each other in this dance company, uh, spark an attraction between them, and obviously pursue it. Something I had, we haven't got a clip, obviously, because it's completely in foreign language. Not something that we could really pull off on audio, I don't no. think. Not without the subtitles. I thought a genuinely moving and wonderful film. Uh, something I think you would very much have enjoyed as well. I know you like a good foreign language drama, as I do. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. one that's got really great performances, one that has a nice sense of artistry to it. Uh, also, very strangely, this week we seem to have been shown numerous films about uh, modern dance. 
Well, do you know, modern dance is a, is a huge thing. My my nephew is uh, is a competition mm. dancer, and uh, he you know travels around in, in competitions. He's in his mm. late teens, and my daughter absolutely loves doing modern dance and hip hop and things like that. Um, no. Yeah, it's it's become a really big thing. Street dancing has become really kind of, kind of de rigueur. This is kind of the crossover point. This kind of works on that threshold where modern, where sort of cla- where traditional dance and modern dance start to overlap, injecting elements of modern dance into. But again, it's all played off off, off against this uh, this forbidden love story, mm. because obviously you know this this falls into the sort of Russian sensibility, yeah. and we don't really consider that. Or those who us in you know in the Western world, we would think nothing of. Oh, you know, men in the dance world, obviously, you know. Homosexuality not really a thing. We just sort of assume. We just sort of assume that that's kind of vaguely commonplace. Well, well, considering how into dance Russia is, yeah, yeah never considered that in my life. Uh, I have now, <laughs> but uh, two thumbs up. I thought this was genuinely brilliant. Oh, Something I would absolutely watch. I cannot recommend you. I say you would genuinely love this because it's that kind of drama that I think uh, that would, would keep you interested. I'll have to but, check it out. No, I heartily recommend it. Uh, Bakshi Velishvili, um, as Irakli, I think his name is, as well. I think he plays. There's a certain cockiness to him that I really liked. Uh, that I thought that was a great performance. Uh, but um, I'm trying to pronounce this name correctly. It's uh, Levon Gelbachiani as Marab in the lead, arguably the lead. I think he's absolutely tremendous. Okay, so let's talk then really quickly about a film I know we've both seen. Yes. Let's yeah. talk about My Spy. New movie starring Dave Bautista, Ken Jeong, Kristen Schaal, and a nine-year-old girl in which a CIA agent has to do a surveillance assignment. He's surveilling, uh, is it the uh, the estranged niece? It's the, it's the um, yeah, the, the, the widow of uh, a French uh, terrorist whose brother had killed him and uh, their her daughter, the the, uh, you know, the daughter of the of the, the, the brother, so the niece brother, of the yeah. terrorist, yeah, yeah. And, and they're, they're hiding out in Chicago, and uh, the CIA send uh, a failing agent <laughs> to go and uh, to monitor them, to spy on them secretly. And uh, the little they, girl very quickly sort of the, susses the them out. The nine girl busts them with, you know, within about a day, and then blackmails him into becoming her friend. Hey, mom, I was. Thinking since you can't take me to Parents and Special Friends Day tomorrow at school, maybe JJ could take me. I don't think that's the best idea. Not the best idea. Why not? Because I'm sure he's very busy. Very busy. He's not. He's unemployed. He just sits around all day watching TVs. Sophie, that's not very nice. No, not nice. It's just. Everyone else has someone to bring, and you said you can't get out of work, and I'm not going to have anybody. And I'm going to be the only one. So nine-year-old girl and Dave Batista there on fine form. Uh, I, I actually had a really good time with this. Not not in a sort of traditional, like, oh, you know, I want to see this on July 30th with a big bucket of popcorn and nachos on, you know, a big fireworks, some of blockbuster type thing. But as a sort of, you know, cheap and cheerful, family-friendly, you know, wrestler does a kid's movie kind of a thing. I normally I really dislike when people turn up to the cinema late okay it really bugs me because it's very important to watch the opening of a film because yeah. usually the opening of a film tells you an awful lot of very important that's information that's a pet peeve of mine as well however yeah. with this film I suggest you turn up <laughs> 10 minutes late okay because the first 10 minutes are completely pointless it starts off with this big action sequence of, uh, of Dave Bautista uh, supposedly in Pripyat in Ukraine. Uh, Chernobyl, in, in Chernobyl. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Chernobyl. Yeah, there's a big yeah. caption. There's an abandoned warehouse, and a caption comes out that says, uh, you know, Pripyat, uh, abandoned reactor three Chernobyl. And anybody who's seen the TV series Chernobyl knows that's not what it looks like, okay? <laughs> so, so the first five seconds annoyed me. Mm. 
And then there's this ridiculous sort of plutonium arms deal, whatever, when it then turns out that he's a CIA agent. And there's a big shootout and whatever, and then he gets a rollicking from his bosses back Ken in Langley. Yeah. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking, what is this rubbish? Am I going to have to sit through an hour and 40 minutes of this absolute tosh? I thought it was really poor. It wasn't funny. I just thought, oh, it's just lame action. I thought, oh, God, I'm going to really hate this. And then it cut to the kid. And it, and it was becomes a different story. movie, doesn't it? Yeah. It's an entirely different film. Just walk in when the, the bit with the kid starts. Or if, you, if you're ever going to watch it on streaming or DVD or whatever, fast forward until you get to the kid. Because that's when the story starts. And that's when it gets funny and good. I'm going to respectfully disagree. Because those first ten minutes feature a, a car chase set to a Britney Spears pop classic. And a brilliant reference to the movie Notting Hill. Okay, which, you watch, I, I watch the opening sequence yeah. after you've watched the film <laughs> as a DVD extra kind of thing. I think, to be honest, it's got it's got the chuckles. It's got a, it's got just enough heart to work. I mean, say so it's a marginally better version of oh, the there's, Pacifier. There's some, there's Nothing some more. Very very funny lines, particularly the uh, the references to other films. Yes, there, it's very knowing. Moments, once yeah. it, I think you and I said at the time, once it gets into the groove of knowing what it is, basically when the kid comes in, yeah. the movie takes off a, a lot faster. It, it basically well, ramps up at it, that point. It, it, Essentially, it's a family movie. Mm. And uh, and so when it starts out as this sort of big action movie, but with yeah. this sort of childlike humour to it, it doesn't quite work. It, it feels wrong. That's the pacifier. That, that's that's why, when it's being the pacifier. That's why yeah. it needs to start with the kid. Then you know it's a kid's film. Because whenever the, the lead, the age of the lead character, essentially, is the target audience of the film. Yeah. So if your lead character, if you start off by telling the story through the eyes of a nine-year-old kid, then that's the audience you're going for. Yeah. But the fact that it starts off through him, it makes it out to be a different film than it is to be yeah. to start with, and that's why I hated the first ten minutes. <laughs> Once it got into the to the actual storyline, I you know after a couple of minutes I thought, okay, well I don't hate mm. this anymore. And then you know another five minutes I'd sort of smirked a bit, and then yeah. I sort of chuckled a bit, and then by the end of it I was laughing out loud, belly aching. We were actually was... by the end we were having a good time. So how many thumbs up from you? Well, I I give I give the film one and a half, but. The, it loses that half of that first 10 minutes. If it didn't have the first 10 minutes, it'd have two. Well, I mean, just just for the Britney track, for the Britney car well, I mean, chase. It's a nice that, idea, but, but uh, you could have put that in in another place. I know. I, I'm going to go with one and a half as well. I think it's worth checking out. Especially if you've got young... Especially if you've got, like, uh, young girls in your life who yeah. are the age of the character. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. I, th I like the chemistry between her and Batista. I think that's a lot of fun. Although, I think you and I said that there were other wrestlers that I think would have played this better. Yes. Particularly Cena. Would have got the, would've got the comedy a bit better, yeah. I think so. And now a segment we like to call Off Screen Pays the Bills. Hi, Johnny. Hi, Van. So you do a lot of international driving. You're a man of uh, of some world renown. I've driven in a few countries, yes. <laughs> so uh, driving in the US, you, yes. you know, it can be a costly affair if you, if you break down. I've been there. I mean, even in the UK recently, just this last week, I've had car trouble. And boy, did I wish I had some kind of vehicle protection plan to see me through. But if you're in the US... We've got just the sponsor for you, so we want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, Endurance, who offer vehicle protection plans that uh, offer coverage to shield drivers across the U.S. from, you know, the historically high costs of, uh, of auto repairs. Uh, so they pay mechanics directly for parts and labour, and they, they cut out the middleman, so you don't have to, you know, have to deal with the faff. You know, we've all been there, right? It leaves you yeah. more time for your holiday. Exactly, yeah. So Endurance is rated the number one vehicle protection company by Consumer Affairs. They offer the best customer service in the industry, and they stay with customers every step of the way from 
from quote to claim. So as I say, I've had my own incident uh, this past week. I've had to replace the, uh, the, the the motor in my, my car window, the electric uh, window. Oh, that's tricky. I had to do that once. Oh, I, God. I destroyed the door. Did you? I, yeah. It, it was stuck open. I had to board it up, and it, and it and it was windy, and the car alarm kept going off. I had to figure out how to disable my own alarm. It was a nightmare. Uh, so for more, uh, you say, it wouldn't have happened if I'd had uh, vehicle protection plans. Obviously. Uh, but if you want more information about Endurance's vehicle protection plans, you can visit endurancenow.com forward slash off screen. And remember, insurance plus endurance equals total protection. And welcome back. And now we're going to keep it on the couch, I think. We'll uh, take it to the small screen and give you some movies you can uh, you can catch on free view for the next seven days, Mr. Hearn. So uh, I believe you may have seen our first offering for this week. It is Sausage Party from 2016, which is showing on Dave on Saturday night at 10pm. Did you have the pleasure yeah, of that, Sausage Yeah, that lovely kids movie that yeah, you, know, you definitely want to be watching with your five-year-old <laughs> because it's all about sort of cartoon sausages and, uh, you know, and, and what five-year-old kid doesn't like to eat, you know, like to eat sausages and burgers and things, you know. Yeah, it's a great kids movie. What you're saying is, is true. I, I, I got to tell everyone. Very noble little sausage, but also very pointless. No one will believe you. I have to try. Everyone will die otherwise. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. F*** me, right? Wait, do you guys have any proof of this? Go to the dark aisle. Beyond the ice. Why? What's in that aisle? Oh, you'll see. But I warn you, once you see that it'll you up for life. Good luck. Have fun. As the bleeping will tell you in that clip, no, do not watch this with children. It is fantastic. I mean, it's it's an R-rated adult animated film. Cartoon. Yeah, it's South Park, really. Uh, yeah, it is that kind of thing, isn't it? it? It definitely goes down the route of like something almost like Team America-level brutal at times. It's really out there. And let's be honest, this does, in, this does at one point involve a food orgy, and not in the way that you think. Uh, I can't recommend that one highly enough. Uh, that's on Dave, Saturday night, 10pm. On Sunday, though, changing the tone entirely. <laughs> Let's get Aust- Is it Austinian, did I say? Austinian. Austinian? Possibly, yeah. It's got Austinian with the 2005 adaptation by uh, Joe Wright of Pride and Prejudice, yep, starring yeah. uh, Kira Knightley, Matthew McFadden, Donald Sutherland, I believe Rosamund Pike was in this, yes, Carrie yeah. Mulligan was in yep. this, Jenna Malone was in this. Uh, this is on uh, Channel 5 at 3.45 in the afternoon. And, well, it's Pride and Prejudice. Oh, Mr. Bennett, how can you tease me so? Have you no compassion for my poor nerves? Oh, you mistake me, my dear. I have the highest respect for them. They've been my constant companions these 20 years. <laughs> Papa? Is he amiable? Who? Is he handsome? Who? He's sure to be handsome. With 5,000 a year, it would not matter if he had warts and a leer. Who's got warts? I will give my hearty consent to his marrying whichever the girls he chooses. So will he come to the ball tomorrow, Papa? I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> My ex-girlfriend hated it when I would refer to Pride and Prejudice as Pride and Prej. Really? She was an English teacher. So, 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 so did you uh, refer to the, uh, the the crossover film as Pride and Prejudice in Zoms? Pride Prejudice Zom. Yeah. Yeah, or PPZ I used to call yeah. it. Yeah, I used to call it PPZ. But uh, also, I'm, I'm going to be really honest, I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, something I've become a bit of a sucker for, because, you know, 10 years with an English teacher, I've seen every version mm. of Pride and Prejudice, so I quite like this version. Hated it when I first saw it. Really mm. like it now. I love Donald Sutherland as Mr. Bennett, as you will have yeah. heard in the clip. Uh, Matthew McFadden, I think, quite works as, as yeah. uh, Mr. Darcy. And also, Kira Knightley, pretty well cast as, as, uh, as Jane. 
I think, you know, oh, okay. the, uh, the, there are a lot of people who don't like Kira Knightley. Mm. Oddly, a lot of women don't like Kira Knightley. I had this exact conversation with Bex this week, yeah. and uh, she denies it entirely. Yeah, a lot, lot of women do. I had a Cannot conversation that that just, just yesterday with somebody, mm. you know, a, a female, and she, she really just irrationally dislikes Kira Knightley. I think she's great, and yeah. in, the, in, in the right role, I think she's she's excellent, and she was very good in this. I I agree. So, but you can just you can decide for yourself. I think it's better than the, the recent Emma that was that was out. Yes, it was it was mm. certainly more relevant than that. I think so, definitely. So you, you can find out what you think of Kieran Knight's performance at 3.45 on Sunday afternoon on Channel 5. Uh, Monday, a movie I loved. I believe this was my yes. birthday film in 1996. Wow. Uh, it is Jim Carrey's The Cable Guy, written and directed, we like to forget, by Ben Stiller. Yes. In which Jim Carrey is basically sort of like a, a psycho thriller, but done as a comedy with yes. Jim Carrey as a stalker cable guy. Uh, here is his first interaction with his, his would-be victim, played by Matthew Broderick. You're offering me a bribe. What you have just done is illegal. And in this state, if convicted, you could be fined up to $5,000 or spend six months in a correctional facility. Oh, oh, please. No, that was dumb. I was just, I was just making conversation. Forget it. <laughs> I'm just jerking your chin. <laughs> you are too easy. <laughs> Wake up, little snoozy. Smell the smelling salt. <laughs> I'll juice you up. I love Jim Carrey in this. Oh, he, he's got yeah. that, that great coach. I think this was, was this like his second or his third film? He came very quickly after The Mask. I think this was the fourth. I think it's Ace Ventura, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, then this. This is the first one he got paid 20 million for. That's the thing I remember really it for. really slated as well at the time. It I did. Remember, and there's a great gag in The Simpsons about Homer Simpson saying the, 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 trying to rip up the script because he said it was the script that nearly ruined Jim Carrey's career. <laughs> <laughs> I but I that. really like it. And, yeah. you know, a lovely little term from a young Jack Black in there as well. Yes, indeed, um, yeah. You know, it, it's funny. It's a, you know, that, a great kind of idea of, a, you know, the, the, the kind of the nerdy friend, somebody who kind of latches onto yeah. you that you don't really want. Them to. A little bit like My Spy we were just talking about with a little kid like the, yeah, the CIA yeah. agent. You know, it's it's like that. I, I thought it was funny. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not meant to be in any way intelligent or intellectual but it's, it's mm. just a stupid knockabout comedy I love it it's got some great Star Trek references and it introduced me to what, what is still to this day one of my favourite ever songs which is the primitive radio god song standing outside a broken phone booth with money in my hand which is a genuine classic uh, find out for yourself 7.05pm Monday night on Sony Movies uh, here's a film I'm betting you probably didn't see uh, well we have not got a clip in fact we've got a couple we haven't got clips for uh, Tuesday night on the Horror Channel 9pm Frozen not the Disney one. Ah, okay. I okay, was going to say that because a... I, I was wondering whether that was sort of missed scheduling. There. No, I mean, it would be strange if the Horror Channel did show, you know, let it go, let it go. It would well, be if you, if, you, but... if you have young kids, you've heard that song enough times, it becomes a bit of a horror, a horror movie. movie. Yeah. Um, this is three kids on a, a ski lift. I have seen this have film. Have you seen this one? Yes. They get stuck there stuck for the, the weekend for the night, in yeah. midair while well, yeah. the wolves circle below them. Yes. Oh, it's brutal. It is very oh, good. I loved it. I really liked it. I, I made my sister watch it when she was going on a ski trip and she didn't thank me. Let's just put it that way. She didn't thank me. It's um, one of those great kind of dilemma films. What yeah. would you do in that situation? You like, can't sit there all night because you're going to freeze to death. But you can't jump down because you're going to get eaten by wolves. Exactly. So what do you do? <laughs> well, so you're going to jump down. You're either going to break your leg and the wolves get you or the wolves are just going to get you. But 9pm, uh, Horror Channel, Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesday, Sony Movies, 9pm. A movie I adore. We've talked about it before on the show. It is the Jerry Bruckheimer. I think it was 2000 uh, action romp. Gone in 60 seconds, starring Nicolas Cage, Giovanni Ribisi, Robert Duvall, Will Patton, uh, Vinnie Jones, Angelina, Angelina Jolie, Jolie, Christopher Eccleston as yeah. the villain. And boy, is he fun in this. Uh, have to steal 50 cars in one night. What's not to love? I mean, I thought it was a great time. He's doing it now. 
What are you worried about? What have you got to do for the rest of the movie? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, 9pm, uh, Sony. And then over to uh, Five Star for Thursday night, a movie I adore. 8pm, Thursday night. It's The Wedding Singer. I woke up this morning and I realised I'm about to marry a wedding singer? I am never going to leave Ridgefield. Why do you need to leave Ridgefield? We grew up here. All our friends are here. It's the perfect place to raise a family. Oh, yeah. Living in your sister's basement with five kids while you're off every weekend doing wedding gigs at a whopping 60 bucks a pop? Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Remember when Adam Sandler was this much fun? I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. I remember when he was funny. He works really well opposite Drew Barrymore because he, he did his, uh, again Couple in 50 First Dates, which, which I really liked. And yeah, he, you know, Adam Sandler gets a lot of stick. He's made some really funny films. His 90s comedies rank amongst one of the best hot streaks any any comic yeah. actor has ever had in film. And you look at things like, because I always champion the film Bulletproof, in which he teamed mm. up with Damon Wayans. And then obviously things like Happy Gilmore, The Wedding Singer. Was never a big Billy Madison fan, but I do like Big Daddy quite a lot yeah. as well. Well, Happy Gilmore is just a genius. Oh, God, Happy Gilmore. I love Happy Gilmore. It's one Gilmore. of the best comedies ever made. Really. The price really. is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the wedding singer, one of the best soundtracks ever included in the movie, and also one of and the best sung by Adam Sandler. Exactly, and one of the best musician cameos in any movie yeah. ever. Billy Idol in the Wedding Singer, uh, 8 p.m. Thursday night on Five Star, and finish out your week, of course, on the Sony Channel, uh, 9 p.m. on Friday nights with what might be one of the best sequels ever made. It's Blade Runner 2049. Uh, were you a fan of this? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, I love the original Blade Runner. I've seen all 57 cuts of it. Um, <laughs> I think you might have still missed off five somehow. <laughs> uh, it, this was the film that, um, of course, finally won Roger Deakins his, yes. his best uh, cinematography. Uh, Oscar and deservedly so. I mean, the, I mean, he, he did the original Blade Runner, but uh, yeah, visually it's just a mm. stunning, stunning film, particularly the rain sequence in it. And uh, yeah, I, I, thought it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful movie. I loved it. I think it was great. Um, I, I, like you say about Roger Deakins' cinematography, every single frame of yeah. this movie is a work of art unto itself. Well, you can literally take he any. Is. You yeah. can take any any frame of this film and, and mm. stick it on your wall. Yeah. Great performance from uh, Ryan Gosling, yeah. uh, Robin Wright as well. I quite mm. like in this as well. Anna Diarmas, who never gets yes. the credit she deserves for this movie. Mackenzie Davis. Obviously, Harrison Ford comes back. Yeah. There is a, a pretty effective turn from Jared Leto. There is a surprise cameo that uh, is pulled off quite well with visual effects. And uh, and you know what? Most importantly, and just to loop it back to one of our other releases for this week, it does star Dave Bautista. Mm. So, you know, that's let's not bury the lead on that. But I'll be honest, I have no idea what the story is. But, but you kind of don't need need to do it. I do Just remember what the story the on pictures. this is. It is about, isn't it about a dead woman who is found and her body contains a secret that will rock the, the status quo of synthetics and humans and the relationship between them? Something like that. Something like that. I'll tell you what, find out for yourself though. So, uh, Friday night, 9pm on the Sony Channel. And we're back, and this time it's all about, well, your schedule. So, you know, shiny discs, on demand, whatever takes your fancy. So let's start then, Mr. Hearn, with what's coming to DVD and Blu-ray for this week. Okay, hit me. Okay, so I don't know if you had the, uh, the opportunity to see this upon its uh, initial release. This is, of course, Last Christmas. <sighs> really? Did you, did you have the pleasure to... or did you not? I can't uh, tell from that. No, well, I, I can't say I had the pleasure of watching mm. this film. I watched this film. <laughs> you watched it, we didn't have the pleasure. Oh, it's... 
What I didn't like about okay, yeah, we should show what it's about. Yeah, first. So this is this is the Christmas rom-com directed by Paul Feig. Yeah. Uh, written by Emma Thompson. Yeah. Co-starring Emma Thompson. It primarily stars, however, Amelia Clark and Henry Golding. Yeah. Two of the best-looking human beings walking the earth today. Uh, she's dressed. Apart from us two, of course. Apart from us two. I mean, that's why we're on radio. We're, we're complete smoke shows. Yeah. That's why we, you know, we literally have the faces for radio. Yeah. And, and we mean that in the before live streaming sense. Um, so two best-looking human beings walking the earth today, and she's perennially dressed as a Christmas elf because she works in a Covent Garden Christmas store for Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. And uh, why specifically Michelle Yeoh, I'm not entirely sure, but um, she encounters him one night. He's something of a sort of kind of a Jack the Lad does whatever he feels kind yeah. of a type, but he's effortlessly charming, and his whole thing is he's going to help her overcome her own sort of, well, self-disdain, her own lack of self-belief, and, uh, well, make her uh, love herself as much as he clearly does. Is that really a good nutritional choice? Oh, God, don't you stop. Where are you? Look up. Yeah. You know, after you what you've been through. I mean, shouldn't you be eating quinoa and kale or something? Yeah, but this admittedly rank burger is all part of my grand plan to become a famous singer and die like Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse and all the rest at the age of 27. How old are you? 45. Good to have dreams. Not really, I'm 26. Well, thank God. You still have time. <laughs> Come on. Wait. Get rid of that. Wait. Let's go. I've got a surprise for you. Who doesn't love Amelia Clark, though, to be fair? I mean, I'm oh never... yeah, I mean that's why I watch the film. I, I, I do love Amelia Clark. I mean, um, I, I, I'd die for Amelia Clark right now. Never met the woman, but I'd, I'd anything, man. I throw myself on the sword for Amelia Clark. Only when she has a dragon with her. Though. <laughs> Actually, no, Sarah Connor. Every time, I don't know oh, why. Yeah. Well, I, okay, so I, I, I've got a lot of respect for Emma Thompson, Oscar-winning screenwriter, mm -hmm. of course, um, and uh, but she won an Oscar for adapting. A, a, a story, okay. and this is, this is the issue. Yeah, this yeah. is the issue. The issue I've got. Um, she might be an Oscar-winning screenwriter, but she didn't write an original story. Mm -hmm. And this is her attempt to write an original story, and it kind of doesn't work. And I think the reason it doesn't work, and, I, and I'm choosing my words carefully here, because the reason it doesn't work for me yeah. is the big twist in it near the end. Yeah, actually, shouldn't be a twist. The big twist at the end, which you can kind of pretty much guess because it's been done before. It's literally the first line of the song, Last Christmas. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Uh, it, it, so you can guess what the twist is. I think it would have been better if at the beginning of the film been we were made aware of this and the audience was made aware and she, Amelia Clark's character, was mm. aware of this and knew. Yeah. That, so it wasn't a twist that she suddenly discovers and the audience discovers. It was something she knew and went along with. And I think that would have made it a more, a much more interesting film because it would have been on more levels than just this kind of sort of jolly little rom-com. I mean, I, I personally, I enjoyed it. I took it at face value as the jolly little rom-com that it is. I, I didn't mind it. I thought it had just enough charm to work. Uh, it had it had, it had a good vibe, it had a good energy. And really, it was about the, the chemistry between the two of those. But having said that, I do think, as you were saying about Emma Thompson, I think there is that feeling through this that she's trying to create a Richard Curtis movie. Yes. And yeah. you do feel like what you've just described is what Richard Curtis would have written. Yes. And yes, I would I would prefer that movie. I don't object to this particular one. I had a good time watching it. I, I like the film very much for what it is. But I do agree, it could yes, have been much it better. could have been a much more interesting film, much more knowing yes. film, I think. Also, weirdly enough, not quite enough George Michael for me in this film. 
Like, kind of would have liked more George Michael music. Where's my fast love, man? Yeah. Where's, I, I want amazing up in there. That's what I want. I want... Uh, where's Father Figure? Give me Club, Father Figure. Club Tropicana. Yeah. I go for the moodier ones, I think. Wake me up before you go, go. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, that's on DVD and Blu-ray from Monday the 16th. Let's talk streaming then. Mm -hmm. um, we've got uh, a couple of interesting ones coming to one, one for Netflix, one for Amazon Prime, both on Monday the 16th. Uh, first one, coming to Netflix, It Chapter 1. It's coming yes. to uh, it's coming to Netflix on Monday the sixteenth. All six now, hours of it. Well, it's only chapter one, thankfully, but it's still about three hours, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're both quite long. They films. are very long. Films. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's the story of the the kids in the town of Derry discovering the evil uh, evil clown whose name you will know from this clip. Hi, Georgie. What a nice boat. Do you want it back? Um. Yes, please. You look like a nice boy. I bet you have a lot of friends. Three, but my brother's my best ass. Where is he? In bed, sick. I bet I could cheer him up. I'll give him a balloon. Do you want a balloon too, Georgie? I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. Oh, well, I'm Pennywise the dancing clown. Pennywise? Yes, meet Georgie. Georgie, meet Pennywise. <laughs> now we aren't strangers, are we? Hiya, Georgie. I love uh, Bill Sarsgaard. As, oh, he's as very Pennywise. good. He's so but good. If you isn't painted he? your face white, you actually you could you could pass with him. You, you think I could it, pass yeah, going to hide in drain somewhere. You, we could, uh, yeah, you could you could act that out. Look, I only hide in drains at the weekends, and look, that's only a hobby. Okay, it's only a hobby. I don't make a thing of it, and I'll say, you know, I don't like to draw attention to myself. Okay, so uh, it's chapter one. I can't yeah. recommend highly enough. Uh, put Andy Machetti on the map, really, as a director. Mm. I think his direction for both these and the sequel were pretty good. It's I think for the the problems with the sequel, obviously, are related entirely to the scripting, the script, it's the writing. Too long, and they go into mm. too much kind of backstory with all the characters, and you didn't need to do it. Also, nobody just... cares about them as adults. But because they go with these these sort of backstories, and uh, mm. and it starts off the first backstory, they go into quite details, sort of 10, 15 minutes. Okay, fair mm. enough, it's the first one, and then the second one goes into backstory of detail of 10, 15 minutes. And you think. Okay, all right. And then it does the third one. You think, hang on a minute, there's like seven of them. Yeah. So we're going to have to go through this. for every, That's an hour of my uh, life just getting all this backstory oh, I don't need. That's it, isn't it? An hour of It Chapter 2 is It Chapter 1.5. Yeah. Which really annoys me because like, we had It Chapter 1 and apparently there's a whole other section that takes place like a month later. But uh, just so they have an excuse to de-age the kids and make it a sequel to the one that made you know like near a billion dollars kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, infinitely more enjoyable uh, than It Chapter 2. However, we, are, we were talking about It Chapter 1, which is great. Infinitely more enjoyable than Eat Chapter 2, however, is uh, Gorinda Charles' Blinded by the Life, which I know Bex is a big fan of. Uh, this is on Amazon Prime from Monday the 16th. Uh, did you have the chance to, to see this one? I'm going to shock you here. I didn't like this at all. Did you not no. like this? I would have thought this was no. right up your alley. I, so, so did I. I was mm. really looking forward to it. I'm not a massive Springsteen fan. It's, uh, you know, but I'm it's not at all. Based on a true story about yeah. a, a young Indian kid who, in the I think it's 70s or 80s, who get, really gets into... Um, into uh, Springsteen. Uh, uh, Springsteen. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, and I thought, oh, this has got a good potential but i just found it really flat and dull I just, it yeah. just didn't grab me at all let's have a quick listen first day start at the top and stay there study hard so you don't have to work in a factory like me all your life yes dad if you want to succeed look for the jews in your class do what the jews do they're very successful people I think that's a bit racist dad it's the truth Hey, 
You're here to study, okay? I'll find your wife in good time. You leave that to me. And remember, stay away from the girls. Follow the Jews. See, I thought this had a bit, you know, the right level of, of heart and rebellious energy to it. And yeah, I quite liked it. it. It gave me some feels. There's one bit in it that really annoyed me, sort of about two-thirds of the way through or towards the end, when they, they go to America to sort of go to, to where, you know, Springsteen's from. In, in, mm. uh, they know, do, yeah, yeah, the whole thing, And there's Jersey. a scene where they, where they get to America and they're in customs. Yes. Yeah. And they, they, they get questioned and whatever. And it's clearly a small studio set with a table and a curtain. Right now, if you're going to spend all this money getting all the Springsteen music and get, you know, I mean, they do spend a bit of money on, on recreating the mm. period and everything. Why would you put that scene? Why I not know. go to an airport and do that? It doesn't cost I that do. much to rent a room in an airport. No, it, that, that really annoyed me. And also, the scene was completely pointless. You didn't even need that scene. What? And I thought, how on earth can a director of her experience allow yeah. such a poor poorly executed scene to be in this film on the plus side at least you know it's on prime so at least you don't have to ask for a refund if you don't enjoy it but uh, so next let's talk about what's out next week because uh, we've got some interesting ones mm-hmm. we've got uh, radioactive next week looking forward to that is yeah. that about the woman that invented radiation it's about the woman who invented, invented radiation, radiation as yeah. a friend of ours said yep. yes. um we've got a quiet place part two next week yeah i wasn't a massive fan of a quiet place i i just got annoyed by the beginning of that because uh, i thought if if you've got to be really quiet hmm. then you make sure that your five-year-old <laughs> doesn't have a toy truck that makes noises and my you don't let your five-year-old kid walk behind you no. when there are creatures that can eat you my favorite thing about a quiet place is as my friend john nottingham brilliantly pointed out it's about the first movie he asked the question did they have to go behind the waterfall to fart <laughs> which does redefine how you process a quiet place uh, so we've got number two uh, next week we've got uh, astronauts as well i'm not sure yeah. what the crack is with that one uh, system crasher fire will come we've got a documentary about buster keaton the great buster yeah and uh, new Curzon release the truth which I'm, I'm hoping is not a feature-length adaptation of the You can finale. handle the truth. But, well, let's hope we can, because yeah. we've got to talk about it next week. Uh, in the meanwhile, uh, don't forget, check back in next week. Keep it cinematic. In the meanwhile, I've been Van Connor. I've been Johnny Han. And we shall return.